Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Chumps and Champs Fantasy Football Podcast. Danny, Matt, and Scott are all here. It's August 31st. We're about a week and a half away from NFL kickoff. Boys, how did those drafts go this past weekend? I know we had a bunch of them. Feeling pretty good about it, Danny. Scott, how'd yours go? I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy. I don't, uh, I don't feel too disappointed with uh, any of the drafts I had. Yeah. Do you guys have any notable things happen that you were like, oh, that's interesting? I'll make one note, um, and we'll talk about this guy later a little bit, but this is the reason I'm going to talk about him later. I had a, a 10-team league that was drafting, uh, so players lasted a little bit, little bit longer, and it was the second-to-last round, and Michael Thomas was still on the board. And I'm, I'm looking at him like, I don't need a wide receiver, but that's tasty right here. Like He could only be out a handful of weeks, and who knows how he, he settles up with Jameis or whatever they got going on there. He's the talent there. I should snag him, and the benefit of that is it doesn't even matter what I need on my team right now. I snag him in the second-to-last round. After the draft, I slide him into my IR slot, and I pick up a flyer for any other position that I actually need on my team. And we figure it out come week six when Michael Thomas is back in the game. That league had two IR slots, too, so it's not like I'm hindering myself there. I should have done it, and I didn't. I took A.J. Dillon, and now I'm contemplating cutting. Yeah, I'm contemplating Mm. cutting A.J. Dillon right now. And I'm just kicking myself in the ass about not taking Michael Thomas. So to that, I say, if you're in a league with an IR spot, especially one with two IR spots, consider taking Michael Thomas um, at his ADP. And I I don't think you're losing anything there. And you can slide him into that IR slot, grab one of your flyers after the draft, and you're going to be really happy if he pans out later in the season. Scott, what else have you noticed? I thought it was really interesting after I thought about a little bit with all the things that we talked about, who is the top four guys. That's basically on everybody's list. It's McCaffrey cook, Henry and Kamara. And I thought about it. I've never had any one of the four of those in any league at any point in their careers thus wow. far. That's interesting. Yeah. I, it kind of floored me because last year I took Elliot at number two and three or whatever I was at. Cause I thought he was going to have a bounce back, which he was doing well until Prescott got hurt. So I thought about it. I'm like, that's, that is crazy. I've never had either or any of these guys. And in the two drafts, one, I got Dalvin cook one I got Alvin Kamara. So I'm pretty pumped about it going forward. Cause those guys are usually pretty, pretty solid on the opposite side of that. Is there anyone that you guys have really, really wanted to get? Cause I think we're close to being done. I know we each have a couple more drafts between now and the start of the season. Is there anyone that you guys didn't get your hands on so far that you're like, uh, I really, really wanted to get at least one share of this guy? Is there anyone like that? I would have liked to get a little Devonte Adams, but I just I, I was too high in the drafts. So I had to go running back. Matt, now, forgive me. I've I've drafted in I think three leagues now, maybe four counting in our listener league. So I'm I'm a little stretched on who I've actually acquired, but uh. <laughs> Somebody I don't think I've gotten any shares of is Chris Carson. And I'm also going to talk about him later in my risers. And I'm getting really hot on him. Never been a Chris Carson fan. And I I want a share of him. Let's see if uh, I have one more draft. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll pay up for him. There's a couple of guys that I have so far. I'm like, come on, man. You got to do something here. One of them, the number one guy that, that fits that category for me is Ryan Tannehill. I haven't gotten him in anything yet. And entering all these drafts, I'm like, 
wait and wait and wait and wait and do the late rounds, you know, eighth, ninth, tenth round, aim for Ryan Tanhill, and you're locked and loaded. And it just hasn't happened. Whether someone takes him right before me or I find value on quarterback at a different time, I haven't gotten him and I'm bummed. Yeah, well, I guess that's one last note I'll make about a notable draft happenings is I've always been a late round quarterback guy. And in uh, the one fantasy league that we all share that we drafted on Saturday, I took Kyler Murray in the, was it the fourth or the fifth? It was on the four or five turn. I was the first overall pick and uh, I got him early. I'm, I'm kind of bullish on Kyler Murray. Never do it early. So I hope it pans out for me. I'm kind of nervous. Your new man. I got a little fantasy sip out there for y'all um, on that too. If you want to check it out. Another one was Calvin Ridley. I haven't gotten him in anything yet. I could have taken him in a draft. I chose Stefan Diggs ahead of, ahead of him. Uh, just hasn't That's happened. That's the yet. right choice, but I, I understand that you want him. Right, right. So, guys, we got a lot of news to go over, a lot of news as uh, cut day has come from the NFL, and there's some injuries because it's been a while since we've recorded and got these out there. Um, but today, after that, we're going to do our risers and fallers for if there are any drafts that you guys still have to do. We still have some time, so I'm assuming there are some people that need draft advice who are rising and falling on for the start of the season. Um, let's start right at the top guys, big news to talk about JK Dobbins tears his ACL and is done for the year. And this happened like an hour before one of our drafts uh, and everyone goes on full tilt instant reaction, Scott to JK Dobbins tearing his ACL other than feeling bad for the kid. A dumbass. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I'll be honest. I like J.K. Dobbins a lot this year. He was one of those that I feel like I had him in my personal list a little bit higher than most people did. And boy, did that just take the wind out of my sail with him. I mean, it it obviously, as we'll talk about, pumped up Gus Edwards quite a bit because that's a team that likes to run a lot. But man, he, he thought this was, he showed a lot of promise last year. You kind of figured this would be you know, a breakout year for him. And it just, it just sucks for him for sure. I actually haven't been that big on JK Dobbins. I don't know if just, it's just cause I knew Lamar Jackson's there and they, they had people like Gus and a few others. And I thought the run game was going to be a little spread out. Didn't know how potent this offense would be um, after the last couple of seasons. And I was kind of staying away, but what I, it's hard to say I like this news, but I guess how I capitalized on this news was in that draft that immediately followed this news, I was able to get Gus Edwards in the seventh, and it still sounds like that might pan out nicely. So I was happy to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't want to see anyone get hurt. Obviously, we're not savage idiots, but we are doing a fantasy football podcast, so it's only onward that we can talk about it. Uh, that is a bummer. It really sucks, but hey. Next year, and honestly, people can recover from tearing your ACL. That's something you ab- absolutely can do, especially compared to like what Cam Akers is going to go through. That's a much steeper hill to climb with his Achilles. So onward for the Ravens and us. Let's talk about the New England Patriots, guys. Cut day came. Cam Newton. Old scam. Yep. Scam got cut, and it is now the Mac Jones show. So what does this do? For the uh, Patriots offense. Hopefully they Um, suck and we get to just enjoy them being a bottom feeder for a little bit. Yeah, I think 
I think they really wanted to go in the Mac Jones direction. Um, I think that just yeah. fits their identity a lot more. I, I can't say they're going to be good this year. I still, I guess all I'll say is Tom Brady still won the split there, right? <laughs> they split. It was like, well, are the Patriots, it, was it the Patriots system that made Brady good or was Brady just really good? Well, Brady won a Super Bowl and the Patriots sucked last year. So the Patriots have a lot to prove before we just think Mac Jones is going to step in there and run the whole Patriot system with Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I don't have high expectations at all here at the moment. <laughs> of course we, the, it's Patriots news, quarterback news. And it takes eight <laughs> seconds before we start talking about Tom Brady. <laughs> and he's not even there. Go ahead, Scott. I was just going to say, did, did we, uh, expect anything else other than kind of cam newton being a band-aid for their situation i don't think we expected that team to be i mean if we're having tom brady for so long and that system being what it was to not have a quarterback that's a little more throw heavy or accuracy wise and he was as we know scored obviously quite a few touchdowns just bowling it in and that's just not typically their style i don't feel like that's where they were going to be in the long run I think he was just the best option out there for a one-year kind of stint of, well, let's see if this works, and if it doesn't, oh, well. And I think that's kind of why they went the direction they did. Well, there were a lot of questions about his shoulder, um, how it recovered from that injury he had, and I think that was going into the Patriots contract. That's why it was a a low low total deal, but incentive-laden and he was never the most accurate quarterback and obviously his throwing didn't improve and his game didn't improve. And I know the name is still big, but I don't really see him cutting out a a starter role anywhere else in the league at this point. Yeah. I think it's going to take an injury. Oh, I don't want to say that, but someone's going to sign him just in case. I'll also say even with an injury, I don't see him succeeding in a role where he has to step in as a starter on a team. I'll say that much. Yeah. Uh, speaking of becoming the starter, Jameis Winston got named the starter of the New Orleans Saints over Taysom Hill. Was that official or just locker room? I thought that it was official. I thought I got an, uh, an alert saying that's real. I'm pretty sure it was official, yeah. Okay. But I so, heard all, all Sean Payton still had Taysom Hill um, by the by the waist and didn't really want to announce it yet. No, maybe. But let's say that it's real because I said it. Uh, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't love it. I really don't love it for the saints. I mean, okay. If Winston starts throwing like the 5,000 yard season, he did a couple of years ago, then of course, but I mean, we're going to see Taysom Hill in packages that include goal line work. And like the moment you need Jameis to do something great, all of a sudden Hill's going to trot himself out there and ruin the day. I mean, do you guys have any interest in Jameis Winston at the end of draft, Scott? Not not so much Seamus Winston until Michael Thomas comes back. Uh, I think there's other guys that are going undrafted, like Kirk Cousins, who I think has just as much upside with better weapons around him. But I will say this. I think it does help people like Alvin Kamara because with Taysom Hill, I don't I wouldn't feel like as an opposing team, you have to worry about the deep threat as much. And you can not stack the box, but you know what I mean? You're not worried about the over the top throws nearly as much as you are with James Winston. And now that that's the factor there, even though there's no big name wide receivers, what Traquan Smith is the number one right now. Marcus Callaway and Traquan Smith. Yeah. 
Yeah, no big names, but at the same time, anybody with speed, you, you can get behind somebody. You got a quarterback who can throw a 50, 60 yard pass. You got to respect that. And that's just going to open it up for dump offs to Kamara for those little two yard dump offs that he turns into 23 yards. And I think that helps their offense overall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just two years ago, Jameis Winston threw for 5,100 yards passing. I mean, if you're throwing 60 yard bams, are you even going to be in the red zone? You're just, you're just straight in the end. Zone. <laughs> that's right. You're never going to be in the, that's, that's the negative. I think he also led the league in interceptions, but let's not talk about that. He had 30. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, just don't even worry about it. At a certain point, you just got to say, don't even fucking worry about it. Just keep whipping that thing around to see what happens. <laughs> uh, Deshaun Watson is officially on Houston's 53-man roster. But all signs point to him most likely not playing at all. So he's owed over ten million dollars by Houston. So okay. I heard their GM was or owner or whoever was saying that they were prepared to make him like uh, inactive every game day, but he's on the fifty-three man roster. And I guess that's just to like not make him available to the rest of the league. So they're gonna not only eat that contract but they're also going to eat a roster spot to not release him as a free agent. Yeah. That that seems a little, I don't know. I guess they're just waiting for, to see how this all shakes out in another year is what the idea is. Has he been played? He has not been placed on the commissioner's exempt list yet. He's not been suspended. So yet, right. The ideology behind that apparently is because there is a criminal allegation against him until that is settled. The NFL can't make a judgment on whether or not he's on the commissioner exempt list because they won't interfere with uh, legal uh, ongoings or whatever. And since it's criminal and they still haven't decided if they're going to prosecute him yet or something like that, he can't make have a decision made by the nfl because they won't interfere i thought that was the purpose of the commissioner's exempt list was for this reason when they're like okay something crazy may be happening like because if you're on the exempt list you still get paid and i think it's usually just civil things okay it's uh, nonsense whenever that happens okay i get you like i mean i guess at the same time like not necessarily nonsense a lot of these like domestic disputes and everything yeah they get thrown on uh thrown on the exempt list but i think i guess those usually fall under civil cases rather than criminal i don't know so ultimately then if nothing changes from today until day one what is stopping houston from trotting them out there PR. other than okay is that it yeah nothing that's it that's it league standpoint i mean i mean i assume they have some morals and whatnot and perhaps that would keep them from trotting them out there but at the same time i think they want to win football games i think give pr every- is going to be the main thing that's going to get them to, to bench him give every woman in the world a giant middle finger saying <laughs> like, we, we don't care about you yeah basically yeah anyway that's just weird and interesting and goo um Irv Smith Jr., tight end for the Minnesota Vikings, gets knee surgery to repair a meniscus injury. His timetable is uncertain. We know he'll be out at the beginning of the season, but they're being very vague with how long that is. Scott, you're going to talk about him a little bit later, but this is kind of 
kind of a gut punch for a minute because I love Irv Smith. Yeah, it's definitely, like you said, I'll touch on it a little bit here, but it's just uh, more of a well, let's wait and see type situation. I'm did not going to make any hard, fast decisions. Did you see that they signed Chris Herndon or they traded for Chris Herndon this afternoon? No way. Yeah. Just as a replacement for Irv while he's gone. I'm not touching I it. I did, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. T- no. I'm not biting on that one again. <laughs> That's not happening. Uh, Lions release Brashad Perriman. Is- <laughs> Go ahead. Well, first of all, I was gonna say all you have to do is roster herned in for like three weeks, and he's gonna be your fantasy stud. Oh just God, like- what year is it? <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, is Lions releasing Brashad Perriman actually news? because they just they they owe him like two million bucks they just signed him like within the past year and they've got nobody so it's just noteworthy that really he's not good enough on this team (laughs) i thought that was i thought that was very interesting he doesn't fit their uh their culture danny god what is the culture yeah i i heard that tyrell williams (laughs) is a really uh really up and comer in the in the target category for this team now that he's gone so i guess he is a riser i think he's had his own uh groin injuries or something like that but tyrell williams might uh make a splash on your fantasy scene what about where was tyrell Williams? was he in the chart he was on the chargers the raiders Raiders or chargers i thought it was the raiders raiders Raiders? i recall and i mean i would take amon ross st brown Get that upside, right? We don't know. He could be the next Jerry Rice. We don't know. This year, though? No, not this year. <laughs> of course not this year. Fourth round rookie draft pick might be Jerry Rice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you heard it here. That's your bold statement. <laughs> That's going to put us on the map, boys. <laughs> that statement there. The last little bit of news. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people on the COVID list, vaccinated or unvaccinated. Carson Wentz, CeeDee Lamb, Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Suckup, I believe Cole Beasley, shocker. Um, These guys are all on the COVID list, but they should all be ready. You guys aren't deterred from drafting these boys, are you? Not as... It seems pretty unclear who has been vaccinated and who hasn't. If they've been vaccinated and they land on the list, I think... All they have to do is get two negative tests within 24 hours and they're free to resume. I don't think there's like a, a, a standard like 10 days like last year. Mm-hmm. And I know, obviously, since I'm a Titans fan, Tannehill um, was reluctant, but he did get vaccinated. So he should be ready to go after a couple negative tests, I would think. I thought so. Um I know that the they just actually agreed, the NFLPA and the NFL just agreed on, I mean, this is kind of not the same thing, but just about testing. They're going to do testing if you're vaccinated every week. And if you want to be tested more frequently because you have concerns or whatever, you've got a different situation, you can. And if you're unvaccinated, they're going to, every, it's every single day, including your off days. Yeah. And you're not allowed to travel willy-nilly unless it's like, for the game or something like that and that, get... that makes sense to me mm-hmm. what i do want to know is which day of the week are they testing these guys yeah. if they're vaccinated because yeah. if they're testing them <laughs> on sunday say, on tuesdays i think tuesday that's that's great because even on... if they're thursday night we can figure the shit out 
if they're testing them yeah <laughs> 9 a.m on sunday then we're gonna have an issue here on that. right right i mean it does make sense from a health standpoint to test them right before they trot out there and uh start playing but from a fantasy perspective guys can't we figure this out friday the, the NFL is quite <laughs> aware know, that fantasy football brings in a lot of their money, and I don't think that they're going to try to compromise that on the day they test. They don't say that, but I like to think in my heart that that's true, oh, that they, they do care it. about they me. Know it. <laughs> I don't think they care about you. They care about fantasy. They care based on all the uh, concussion stuff that we've heard about. <laughs> trying to deny ex-players money and everything. Yeah, they... <laughs> They've always had a great moral compass. Uh, (laughs) Well, guys, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll do our risers and fallers for the 2021 season. Stick around. Hey, everybody. Ty here with Dan and Tone from the Upper Decker Podcast. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Chumps to Champs. These guys absolutely kill it when it comes to fantasy football, and I'd be willing to bet that if you're uh, you're a football fan, there's a good chance you follow baseball as well. And if that's the case, we want you to finish up this episode and then head on over to the Upper Decker podcast. We cover all things baseball, so whether you want to hear about the latest on-the-field action, listen to breakdowns of trades and signings, or learn about some crazy baseball history, we've got a little something for everyone. We are going to drop some knowledge on you and hopefully give you a few laughs in the process. If you want to check us out, we're available on all your streaming platforms. We'd also encourage you to follow us at Upper Decker Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Hope you check us out and enjoy the rest of this episode of Chumps to Champs. Woo! Welcome back, champs, to episode, what is this, 91, 92, 90? We're approaching 100. What episode is this, Scott? We do the editing around here. We'll probably remember. Uh, I know I edited 90. Was I here last episode? You were, yeah, that was 90. So 91, we'll say. Okay. The Sergey Fedorov. I know episode. I missed some recently, but that sounds right. Yeah. And we are doing our risers and fallers. Matt is doing something to his finger right now. <laughs> Matt, you, you in? You in, you in it to win it today? Yeah. Matt's drinking his beer like a dogwood. Anyway, let's get into the risers and fallers. Uh, like uh, a dogwood tree? <laughs> we're going off the rails already risers and fallers at this point we're about a week and a half away from fantasy drafts and who we like a lot more than we did and who we don't like a lot more than we did uh let's start with the risers uh we've got three apiece scott why don't you go ahead and talk to us about your first riser first one is damian harris running back for new england uh he is according to fantasy pros running back 24 and we've all shared our opinion in the past with New England running backs, how they never stick with one. You're never confident in anybody, but we just talked about how they cut Cam Newton, the guy who's going to steal those one and two yard runs for touchdowns. They just traded Sony Michelle to the Los Angeles Rams. I don't, the Rex Burkhead is no longer there. So it's Damian Harris and James White, as far as I'm concerned. And I know James White is a big, yeah, whatever. Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. 
but I know James White will steal some catches, but this is the most confident I think any of us have been in at least a starting running back in New England for, I don't know, seven or eight years because there's not as many guys to split with. And I think Damian Harris is going to get the bulk of it. I'll agree, Scott. Uh, He was close to being on my list as well. Um, I have him in a league. I drafted him pretty late in an early draft uh, because I needed somebody else. And the fact that both Sonny Michelle is left and that Mac Jones will now be the starter, I think bolsters him um, a lot more than I've usually been confident in a New England running back. So good pick. What about um, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis? He was a better Patriots starter, right? Remember that guy? Do you know that he was I do. better? That's no, he. I'm sure. I'm, I'm certain he was not. But I was just, just when you said that, Scott. The first thing I thought was, who was the last one that we, we may have started? And the first thing that came to my head was Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, and then I went down that path in my head of who was the oh. one who played on the Titans for a year or two, before or after, after. He played on Titans after he was on the Patriots. Like the last like two years, maybe not last season. Say, uh, two seasons what about the one season with Legarrette Blunt? Oh, Legarrette Blunt, that's another good one. Mm-hmm. He scored like eighteen touchdowns that one year, didn't he? That might be that's when they won the Super Bowl, wasn't it? That might be an exaggeration, but he did score a lot of touchdowns. I remember that he punched a guy in college. Yeah, that's how he ended his career. Yeah, that was wild. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was after the game, guy walked up to him and like pat, like hit him on the shoulder and said something that was like something jerk, like ish. And, and he just <laughs> fucking dropped that guy. And we were like, that's oh, you get shit. for playing for Boise State. That's Run right. Your mouth. You don't Oregon. play anyone. <laughs> Oregon, Boise State. He punched him right in his teeth. That was wild. Then he ran for like 18 touchdowns. Matt, are you. Are you checking my how many touchdowns did LeGarrette Blunt score question? Uh, no, I am okay. not. One of it was uh, Dion Lewis was the Titans. Oh, yeah. To mention. Uh, Dion Lewis. He was something for a minute. Well, Matt, tell us about your first riser. My first riser is Corey Davis. Um, we've talked about him a decent amount on this show, and I think we're all getting a little hotter on him. Uh, we all knew, being Titans fans or closely associated with a Titans fan, that uh, last year he finally kind of proved his first round uh, NFL draft status and kind of bounced on the scene as a competent NFL wide receiver. He blocks really well, too. Uh, does a lot that you don't see as a fan um, as often and earned himself a nice little payday in New York because uh, the Titans wanted to move a different direction. New York paid up for him, came there as a as a pretty clear-cut wide receiver one for their team. And uh, I guess there were some concerns. There's a few other weapons on the team, but rookie uh, quarterback Zach Wilson, right? Yeah. Not, I'm not messing that up. Nope. Zach Wilson has latched onto him in the preseason, and I think Corey Davis's talent and the fact that he has developed a rapport with this rookie quarterback is great. The offense isn't going to be amazing, but Corey Davis's ADP is wide receiver 41. If you can get a number one on an NFL team, yeah, after 32, like hell yeah, yeah. like yeah. let's let's uh sign him up. Uh, targets alone are going to make him startable in fantasy football. I love it, especially in three wide receiver leagues. Just as a quick reference, LeGarrette Blunt in 2016 for New England had over 1,150 yards and 18 touchdowns. 
See? No way. No way. See? Yeah, but look at that on a game by game. Uh, he probably threw like eight duds out there and eight monster games. Oh my God. This guy's poo pooing 18 rushing touchdowns. <laughs> like, you probably you, got the, like the other eight weeks were a different running back, whoever else was there at the time. Even if <laughs> you lost matchups because of that bastard, I'm sure. Oh man, this guy's I, tearing it up. He, he had less sorry, than Lager, 50 yards receiving. <laughs> See, so he's like a poor man's Derrick Henry for one year. Um, my first riser is T. Higgins of the Cincinnati Bengals. Right now, he's going ADP wide receiver twenty four. He's another guy that I've gotten zero shares of that I really would like to get some shares of in the last couple of drafts that I have. There's, I mean, I know that the other couple of wide receivers in Cincinnati are going to come up in a, a, a later segment. Teagan's had a great year, his rookie year, second year, this time with Joe Burrow. I think he has the highest upside. He's the only, well, I'll take Tyler Boyd as well, but there's a lot of hype around Jamar Chase for the draft capital that Cincinnati put in. T. Higgins is the one that looks good so far in preseason and in practice. He's the guy I want, and I will take him in the fifth round uh, every day. What do you guys think of T. Higgins? Fucking love him, Danny. Good. <laughs> good. That's all, that's little, all I want to hear. A little nervous about anybody on that team with the weapons. It's just, I don't know. There's, there's guys around that I like just as much that maybe I feel like I have a better situation. Not to say yeah, that they won't right. do well. I'm just a little more hesitant to take one of them whatever why don't you uh go ahead and give us your second riser then let me tear that one apart well um, i'm quickly checking on the ligarit blunt situation here and it looks like um are you talking this year are you checking the 2016 Uh, like game by game yes the 26 yes Granted, they have a broken up by opponent, so they've got two games against Miami, two games against the Jets, two games against the Bills, so it's not split up that way. Still, just give us the numbers. Uh, like just run down every the single game. But there's of the 13 opponents they played, there's only one opponent he didn't score a touchdown against. See, this is probably one, know. one, one, two, two, one, yeah. zero. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it is. He had one game with three touchdowns. And then a lot of them, yeah. So, anyways, which years is uh, it? 2016 New England Patriots. Okay, I got it up myself. <laughs> okay, that's personal, but I get. He it. only had four games out of 16 <laughs> that were over 100 yards rushing. Well, Scott pointed that out. He had like 1,100 yards and 18 touchdowns. That ratio doesn't doesn't super match. <laughs> it's like we average what, like a 70 lot of TDs. a game. Um, uh, what three two TD games and one three TD game, a few duds, but yeah, he got he got a TD for you in most weeks. I'm not gonna lie, he was a solid fantasy performer. I'll I'll chalk it up. But a lot of games, I feel like I'm seeing there's like a a 31 yards one TD, a 37 yards one TD, a 50 yard one TD, like a 54 yard zero TD. Like he had some games where this guy was just bulldozing into the end zone a lot of weeks so let's go on the record right now is damian harris gonna have a better season this year than 2016 le garrett blunt scott oh wow whoa, whoa. the best season of this guy's career versus <laughs> yeah if you look at the rest of the touches like five six two three five eighteen 
three. Two. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. I don't think he had more than seven in the rest of his career. But I don't think, I mean, this is, again, a little while ago, but I don't think you're ever drafted LeGarrette Blunt as anything than a flex tight or running back. If he was your RB2, that's because you waited. So, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> that's if you drafted him in 2016 as your flex, you, you did pretty well, I think. But all right, yeah. back on track. Uh, <laughs> my riser number two is Jaguars receiver LaVisca Chenault Jr. going as wide receiver 43. So he is a guy that's pretty low down there. And honestly, it seems like he's creeping up. And and every draft I've been a part of, he's gone before Chark has. And it looked like in the preseason, Trevor Lawrence was targeting him and couple plays I saw specifically were little dump offs that were designed to him with a lot of blockers in front. So it seems like he's going to be a multifaceted wide receiver where they've got little screens specifically for him, as well as obviously his ability to go downfield and catch the deep ball. So I like it. I unfortunately did not get any shares of him and I regret doing that because I think he might be a very good receiver, especially where he's going, like I said, 43 on a team that's probably going to be throwing a lot. I like it. I gave Marvin Jones a lot of credit in a previous show, and I'm regretting saying that on record <laughs> uh, more and more as the weeks go by. So I'm certainly on the Chenault train in Jacksonville. Um, I think I, I agree with a lot of your points, Scott. I have him on at least one of my teams, and uh, he's he's riding the bench right now, but he's one of those players where I drafted him. He's he's going so late you can draft him as a bench player, but I expect him to pan out as a startable player, and uh, I, I see him going there. What about you, Matt? You got your next riser? My next riser, I alluded to it earlier, is Chris Carson. Uh, Chris Carson is a guy that I haven't been hot on in the past and I am getting hot on him this year. Uh, so I guess he's not flying up my draft board because there's so many running backs to push up against that I think are still above him, but I'm really wanting to get him on my team. He's RB 16 right now. I'll probably take him as much as like 14 and that puts him above people like David Montgomery and maybe Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, I might go Chris Carson before him now. I'm not sure. Uh, he doesn't stay healthy. That's the thing about Chris Carson, right? He's never played a full 16-game season, uh, but when he's been on the field, he has been absolutely productive, always averaging well over four yards per attempt. He's involved in the passing game to an extent. Uh, this this offense is still going to be potent, uh, still going to be successful, still going to be scoring. And I don't have faith in Penny or there's somebody else there too right now, but he's the guy in uh, Seattle. So I really want him. I haven't got any shares yet. He's rising on my draft board. I want a Chris Carson share this year. Uh, Is it Alex Collins? Yeah, Collins got a little bit of hype, maybe just basically over Penny lately. Yeah, and I think the only hype was Alex Collins might be a smidge above Penny as the RB two. Mm-hmm. My next riser is Tyson Williams, running back for Baltimore Ravens. Uh, ADP unknown. It's hard to even just decide what his ADP is because after the J.K. Dobbins injury, 
Uh, Gus Edwards obviously is the clear beneficiary. He's going to be the RB1 there. But remember that the Baltimore Ravens don't just have a bell cow. J.K. Dobbins wasn't going to be the bell cow. There's going to be multiple backs. The obvious answer would be Justice Hill would be the next guy. But Tyson Williams actually makes the 53-man roster. Harbaugh came out and said, yeah, we like the guy. We wouldn't have kept him on the team if we didn't like the guy. And it's looking like he may actually slot in right behind Gus Edwards and may have surpassed Justice Hill. May have, because we have yet to see what the usage is going to be. But you can get him at the very, very end of the draft. If you do, if you pull a mat and do a, get Michael Thomas with your second to last pick and then put him on your IR, and then you can take a flyer on Tyson Williams, see what happens maybe this usage is absolute dog shit then you can cut them but i think the potential in the ravens running back room is something you have to pay attention to and you can get them for absolutely nothing at the very very end of your draft so you want to take a flyer on a running back toss them out there and who knows we don't root for injury but with, if there was one you'd want a running back from the baltimore ravens so that's my second riser do you guys okay? Third riser, third and last riser. Scott, go for it. I have a interesting one, and it's Irv Smith Jr., tight end, Minnesota. Wait a second, he, he just got hurt. Is hurt. He, he is hurt. Had a little minor surgery on his knee, so that makes it an unknown <laughs> of when when he's gonna come back. So it's I get fine. there's some risk involved here. But they're talking like, yeah, he's going to miss the beginning of the season. It might only be a week or two, could be a little longer. But he was one of those guys that was a tight end, you know, right at that fringe of top 10. You were looking at him to maybe have a breakout year. And now he's dropped down to like tight end 15 or below that I saw on fantasy pros. And I'll be honest, I had the opportunity in one of my drafts. I took him in the 15th, might have been my 16th round last pick. And snatched him, put him on my IR, and now I have room for a backup quarterback or whoever I want. And if you waited on tight ends like I did, I got Higby, so I didn't get one of the top like five or six guys. If he doesn't pan out, we'll see what Irv Smith does when he comes back. And if Higby does well, you just drop him. You're not hurting anything because you got an IR slot. So I think it could be beneficial that he dropped when he did if you still have to draft because you might be able to steal him really late. Just put him in your IR and wait and see what happens. What's your cutoff? Say the news comes out, or it's going to be out for X amount of weeks. What is the cutoff uh, before you're like, he's not even worth my IR spot? Do you just wait, obviously, until somebody else needs your IR spot? Yeah. Yes, for sure. And if if that happens, I'd say, if they're going to say Irv Smith is out at least six weeks, and <laughs> then I need it with somebody else, that's when that, I think that's too long to wait for Irv Smith. Um, it just Matt, he just had really minor knee surgery. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> that that is indeed what scares me here. I, I also liked Irv Smith. Um, and whether it's well, so with the meniscus, sometimes they just scope it or whatever, which is basically they just kind of like trim it up, and sometimes there's a repair and I don't even know what it is half the time. And sometimes they say the meniscus isn't that important. I don't know. I'm not a <laughs> doctor, but I don't like the words knee surgery on a player that I'm drafting. And for that reason, I will probably stay away. I get it though. You, I, I see him more as like a sleeper now to me, like maybe you can get him at a bargain because of this news. And that's where I see him. 
Sometimes you just got to trim it up a little. All right. Um, who is your next riser, Matt? My riser, and I think this is kind of a, a universally accepted riser in the fantasy community, is the Antonio Brown. Um, he kind of splashed on the scene. Well, I guess he, he he was involved early in Tampa Bay last year, but didn't really develop a rapport with the Tom, Tom until later in the season and started carving out a, a really fantasy productive role later on. And now this year, what you're hearing is he is getting the majority of the targets from Tom Brady um, in early season and preseason workouts and everything. Uh, Godwin is a, a scary option there. He's not getting uh, like he didn't get targets last year. He's not getting targeted now. And I I'm staying away from Godwin. But Antonio Brown seems to be the main beneficiary here. And I think he may be favored even over Evans. And he's going so late. Wide receiver 36. Um, I don't even know what round that puts him in. I got him in a draft um, on Sunday in the eighth round. That's very little draft capital right there. I, I'll pull a trigger on Antonio, the name Antonio Brown in the eighth round any day of my life and not worry about if he doesn't pan out. So grab yourself some Antonio Brown in the eighth round and don't feel bad about it. I like it. My riser, third and final riser, is Detroit Lions running back Jamal Williams. ADP right now is running back 41. Like, we're all big Jamal Williams fans. He's a very talented back. He was great when he was in Green Bay, and now he comes to Detroit. He's the clear backup to DeAndre Swift, but DeAndre Swift, a little bit banged up, a little questionable to start week one, and I'm not talking about picking up Jamal Williams just for week one. I think you're going to see more Jamal Williams involved in this than you think, and if you're a DeAndre Swift owner, I know that makes you kind of cringe and say, no, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Jamal Williams, especially on third downs. DeAndre Swift was a great pass catcher last year. I'm not saying he's not, but Jamal Williams is here now. And you're going to see a lot more Jamal Williams than you think. And you can get him at the very, very end of drafts. And if DeAndre Swift's injury lingers a little bit longer, you're going to see him as the full-blown starter in Detroit. So snatch him up. RB41, that's awesome value and i want them everywhere that that kind of leads us right into our followers there doesn't it danny oh, oh my goodness i didn't i honestly swear to you i did not even put these two things together so why don't you go ahead and start us <laughs> off with the chumps of champs fallers yeah and mine was deandre swift uh for the very reason that they're talking about how jamal williams is going to have a decent role in this offense and not only is it that, but it's still Detroit's offense and not sure how much they're going to score this year. I well, am a whoa. little nervous, a little, little nervous, a little nervous about that. But I mean, DeAndre Swift has talent, but looking at where he's what, according to fantasy pros, RB 18, right after him, he got Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, Gus Edwards, Mike Davis. I'm kind of liking a, several of those guys more than DeAndre Swift these days. That's where Gus so, Edwards is? Wow. Yeah. They got him down at 21. That's interesting so, to me. I, I definitely am falling on DeAndre Swift. I think I even had a chance to draft him at one point. 
And uh, I, I did not. I think it, I don't know if it was when I took Gus Edwards first, but yeah, I'm just not as big on DeAndre Swift right now. He's, he makes me a little nervous this year. Mm-hmm. Matt, are you change? You have changed the show doc for your fallers and risers. Like every time I look back, I can't even get, you just, you got so many to choose from. You can't even narrow it down to three. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty wishy-washy guy there, Danny. Thanks for pointing out to our, wish, our <laughs> listening audience. <laughs> Go ahead and give us your first faller. My first faller is Chase Edmonds. Um, I cannot get on board with Chase Edmonds. And I, I, I feel like at his current ADP, nobody's really jazzed about him. He's running back 28th, and that's going after people like Javante Williams, who doesn't even necessarily have a, a carved out starting role right now. I don't think he does. And they just brought in uh, James uh, Connor. James Connor. I was, I was saying Johnner is a, what I want to go. <laughs> just, but uh, smash the two. I, <laughs> I do really like this team, but I think a lot of a lot of it lies within the passing game. I just had a sip on Kyler Murray um, about me taking him early in a league. Hashtag fantasy only, sips. Boom. And I not only think that they have a good receiver core, a good quarterback, but a quarterback that can also rush a lot and get a lot of uh, touchdowns on the ground. Not only will that take away some work from Chase Edmonds, but also James Conner. I just, I, Conner, he keeps falling. I'm not targeting him. And I, I understand that he's already valued in a core of guys that aren't necessarily going to get work, but I think there's more upside with some of the guys around him. Like a Trey Sermon, um, that love Trey or a, a Javante Williams that might go into that 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 starting role. I just don't see Chase Edmonds really taking it away. He's had opportunities in the past. I've liked him in the past, but y- you never did it, Chase. I, 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 he's fallen for me. I'm not targeting him. It wouldn't have brought James Conner in if they thought he could handle it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I actually do like Chase Edmonds more than you, obviously, but um, my first faller is Michael Carter. A low-hanging fruit right there. <laughs> should, should we just stop the show? <laughs> <laughs> he's RB33. Um, he's right in the Chase Edmonds range, so um, he's after Jamal Williams. Uh, or, I'm sorry, before Jamal Williams at 41. Like, RB33 for a guy who right now is projecting to be the third running back on a probably crappy offense. Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson are apparently ahead of him right now on the running back depth chart. I know there's a lot of promise for Michael Carter, but I think you're going to have to hold on to him for weeks before you're able to feel confident about playing him. And there's just so many other guys who are going to see action and get fantasy value much, much sooner than him. I'm, I don't have him anywhere and I've got no intentions of taking him right now. He's going to be a guy. If you, if you draft, you'll get fed up with him after a few weeks and drop him. Somebody else will pick him up and he'll kind of turn on week like nine or something like that. And you'll be like, absolutely. Bitch. Why did I roster him for so long? Absolutely. Yeah. Scott, give us your second faller. All right. My second one is Tyler Boyd. And I've actually liked him, I think, a little bit more last year after he kind of came on the scene, did pretty well for a couple of years. But we talked about how they've got 
several weapons there now in Cincy. And I feel like he's going to be a little bit of the odd man out. I'm not saying that he won't have a couple of good games, but he's going as wide receiver 35 right now. Again, I'm looking at fantasy pros and looking at some of the guys after him. Let me click back on my wide receivers here. After Tyler Boyd, you got Will Fuller, DJ Chark, Corey Davis, Devontae Smith, Antonio Brown, Curtis Samuel, LaVisca Chenault. I feel like I'd probably take just about any one of those over Tyler Boyd right now because I like their situation better and there's not as much, or as I, I should say, a small piece of a pie that I feel like is going to go their way as compared to Boyd. Man, how do you feel about that? I understand it, um, but I'll actually roll right into one of my fallers, and that is Jamar Chase. I think Chase is getting way too overhyped here. He has a higher ADP. He's 26 versus Boyd's 35 out of wide receivers, and I get it. He was talented in college. He's in a good situation with Burrow, but everything out of preseason is he's shying away from contact. He's dropping balls. He's not fast. Nothing you want to see out of an NFL wide receiver. All those and, things are probably the like the worst <laughs> list of things. <laughs> and like I'm saying, people are drafting him a, a good 10 wide receivers before Boyd, which in fantasy relates to a number of rounds. And that is a lot of draft value tied to it. I would rather draft Scott's Tyler Boyd later whenever i don't have draft capital tied to it in the event that chase just flops i i agree totally with danny's t higgins as a riser i think t higgins is the wide receiver to own here absolutely and both of these guys i don't see where where they trump him so i'm staying away from both of them and yeah no nothing. i think i, I think i saw a stat like in his preseason work, he's had five targets, uh, one catch, and four drops. Yeah. It's been bad. That's not so good. I, I'm no I'm no, you know, big city NFL wide receiver here. But I'm confident I could I could catch one of those passes too. So <laughs> there there is something to be said about Jamar Chase had the whole year off with COVID, right? Yeah. And it might just be shaking off the dust so did know? trey lance <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah i mean everybody shakes off the dust i know I know, I know um and who knows come week one maybe he's he's ready to go i don't think that's gonna happen i think you're drafting on a bit of faith there and i wouldn't feel confident starting him week one no matter what yeah i agree with i agree with that my second faller is raheem mosterts um and okay, don't hear what I'm not saying. I think that Raheem Mostert, when he's healthy, is electric and an awesome, awesome fantasy value when you can count on him. But at RB25, I, I don't know how I feel about drafting a guy that I'm really worried about injury. And I know everyone can get injured, but man alive. Raheem Mostert, maybe it's just how aggressive he plays. and that's just why he gets injured so frequently in every different part of his body. But at RB 25, that injury history just worries me. And like, I, I, I don't know now, especially with Sony Michelle 
out of New England, would you guys take Damian Harris or Raheem Mostert? Maybe I'm crazy, but I would take Harris. Who would you take right now? Yeah, I'd go I would. Harris. I think I would take Harris over Mostert. Like this, this is the kind of area we're talking about. I, I don't know. I love Mostert. He's almost a baby Bubba of mine. I like watching him play, but uh, it's tough to know what a situation is going to end up being. Well, especially right. with Trey Sermon there. Yeah, and I don't blame you for having him being a a baby Bubba. I just think he's a faller because. I just don't, I can't find myself drafting him, especially with Trey Sermon right behind him, a capable back directly behind him. I don't know. I'm just not interested. I think there's other guys right there that give me less uh, heartburn on a daily basis, thinking about whether or not he's going to be able to start. And I like the guy, and I really do love how he runs. He's just for my fancy. I'll, I'll watch him as a fan. How's that? There you go. Okay. Scott, give us your final faller. My last one is actually Lamar Jackson, and it's not like he's fallen tremendously far down, but I'm just not as big on him as I feel like I was a handful of weeks ago, and it's never going to help your situation when your number one running back goes down and out for the season. Let's be honest. That, that takes a weapon away, takes your best backfield guy out of the situation, whether he was going to be a bell cow back or Gus Edwards was going to take time. You lose him, that's not going to help your team at all. And I found myself in a draft this weekend where it seemed like it was between Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott in terms of two quarterbacks sitting there, and the guy ahead of me was going to pick a quarterback, and I knew that. And I was like, Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott are sitting there. I kind of hope he takes Lamar Jackson because I think I'd rather have Dak, even though According to a lot of places, Dak's below Lamar coming off the injury and everything. And that's exactly how it went. Sure, I like Lamar, how he runs the ball, but you just, and I know he's done it the last two seasons, but I'm just a little nervous about that. He doesn't throw it as much like we said, and I loved what Dak did last year before he got hurt. I think he'll be decent enough to replicate a, a good portion of that. And I think Lamar just kind of dropped down a couple slots for me. Matt, you're you're in that agreement, aren't you? He came up recently on uh on one of our shows. Was it a bust show? I don't recall exactly, but yeah, I think I had Lamar as a bust. And again, I was saying I don't think if you draft Lamar, like he's gonna sink your team, but I think it's you're, all just giving up, you're giving up draft capital there. I think he's gonna be startable in fantasy football, but where he's going is just not gonna be a good way to build your team out of the draft. Mm-hmm. Matt, give us your final faller. My final faller is Dallas Goddard. Um, he's currently going about tight end 10. I think it's it's been priced in at that ADP, but the, the reason he's a faller for me is the, the presence of Ertz still there in Philadelphia. When we were all getting jazzed up about Goddard earlier in the year, the, the, the storyline was that Ertz is going to be gone. He hates Philly. Philly hates him. He's going to find somewhere else. And for some reason, Ertz is still there. He's still demanding targets. Everything's still happening. Sure, Dallas Goddard has the talent to be a a top five tight end in fantasy, I think, given the right situation. But the situation all of a sudden isn't there now. So that's why he's falling for me, which is unfortunate because he is my sole tight end on one of the teams that I've drafted so far this year. So it's strictly about Ertz's presence. Absolutely. It's not about Goddard's talent. 
that is that is the only reason he's a follower for me is Ertz's presence. So pay attention to that. I mean, I'm sure that'll come. So if Ertz does get moved, take it away. Not not a follower anymore. I agree completely. My my last follower is Jarvis Landry of the Cleveland Browns, ADP wide receiver 39 right now. Guys, I have no interest in drafting Jarvis Landry. I do not see the upside. I understand he's going to get a lot of catches and he's going to get a certain amount of yards, but I don't see how he's going to change anything. He's, is he going to take me to the fantasy title? Is there any reason where I'm like, you know what I could use right now in this round? Like what the 11th or 12th round, you know what I could use is Jarvis freaking Landry. I don't you know what <laughs> I'm not interested. What I try to think there is, when am I going to want to start this guy? And you get into some of those deep rounds and you're drafting these guys that are like, maybe if I'm desperate starts. And what I, what I think there is I might as well draft high upside rookies or breakouts here because come game day, if I need a, maybe I'll start this guy. I can pick him up off the free agent pool that day. I don't need to draft these type of players. I might as well draft breakouts and flyers and see what happens with them. Absolutely. Like, for instance, okay, Jarvis Landry or LaVisca Chenault. Okay, Scott's one of Scott's uh, risers. LaVisca Chenault is wide receiver 43 on ADP, and Jarvis Landry's 39. What are we doing? <laughs> what do we, what would, I mean, you'd rather have LaVisca Chenault, right? Obviously. Like, I, I don't get I it. Would, yeah. I don't get it. It's, I think. Full PPR, we might be talking a little bit differently, but in half or shared, I don't see it happening uh, any other way. Sure. Completely agree. That does it, guys. Risers and followers. As of right now, um, I I mean, I got a couple more drafts coming up, and I'm excited about them, but how do you guys feel emotionally on a scale of F to A of your fantasy teams thus far? Because we've all done multiple drafts. Oh, I'm effed right in the A, Danny. Oh, boy. I, I teed him up for that so perfectly. <laughs> oh, God. Hey, uh, positive news, though. Pumpkin beers are starting to come out. So, everyone, go get yourself some pumpkin beers. Pumpkin everything. I'm uh, D- Danny, you overestimate how many people are in the pumpkin beer camp. <laughs> out, out of our <laughs> listenership, I'm the only one. <laughs> uh well, guys, next show, we're going to do our uh, a Chump Awards. We're getting that's how close we're getting is the Chump Awards are our next show. How excited are you guys? I'm jazzed about that. <laughs> for, for, <laughs> me, me too. No, I'm pretty excited about that. I was going to let, let Scott go, but I'm, I'm really excited for the NFL season coming in. And I think at this point in our in our podcast, it's almost a calm before the storm. We're going to get you guys some quality uh, draft advice going on in case you're drafting late, but we're really, this is just getting, getting jazzed for the season to start up right here. Getting mm-hmm. pumped. Yeah, dude. Uh, go to chumps and champs podcast.com. Look at all our shit. <laughs> Twice. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Get yourself some shirts. Uh, get yourself a onesie like I'm going to get a uh, onesie for the, the new girl that's on her way in about a month. And uh, and uh, 
yeah thanks for sticking around we really appreciate it matt close us out remember have fun with it